Morning for Northeast by Midwest. This is Jonathan Jones. Well, how are you today? Hope you're doing well. It's another day. Are you thankful God's given you another day? What a gift life is. What a gift. Don't waste it, right? (laughs) Boy, we never know one day to the next. As Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. It's got its own worries. Uh, Live live for God's honor and glory today, or as that old Latin phrase, carpe diem, seize the day. So, uh, today, wanna wanna kind of for now uh, close the book, not forever because we could do a lot more. But I think a three-part series is a good <clears throat> start to think through and hopefully encouraging you. So, for some of you that are following along or others that might come join later, this is going to be part three of the But God series, and really just taking this out of Ephesians uh, chapter two and a pretty familiar verse. Uh, been talking about and just kind of want to, you know, I, I'm not. I don't think when it comes to God and the scriptures and things like that, we ever, you know, officially close the deal um, on teaching on it because the reality is uh, there's always more depths. We'll never understand everything about who God is and all the wonderful things he's done. But for now, we'll kind of close the chapter on this particular thought process. And it's amazing how you just take two words and you can, you know, get this much out of it. So, you know, uh, you know, Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. And so really kind of been arguing and not in the sense to get in an argument, although more than willing to have that discussion or meeting, phone call, whatever with any of you. You know, if you, if you don't know Christ or maybe you grew up in Christianity and have have displaced or whatever it might be, I would love to have that conversation, you know, in a, in an honorable way and, uh, to listen to one another. The reality is the argument here within the text and the truth being taught is central to Christianity. And, And I think today is another good reminder of that. This is what ultimately separates Christianity as completely different than any other religion, whether it's man-made or some kind of, uh, you know, demonic thing or whatever it might be that's out there, um, or any so-called religion or even those that are non-religious, you know, that think that, well, in the end, my, my good works are going to outweigh my bad works and I'm really a good person and yada, yada, yada. Um, the reality is I think Ephesians 2 is sort of the paramount passage, especially verses one through 10 that remind us that, Hey, There is no inherent goodness in us in the sense of before a holy and righteous God. Do you do good things? I'm sure you do. Some of you might be listening to this as you're providing for your family and working. That's a good thing. I could say I'm doing a good thing by making this podcast or the different things I'm going to do today as a as a a pastor and and a husband and a father and a son and the list goes on. Right, a brother, whatever it is. But the reality is, like, those good things that we do, the Bible says, are as filthy rags. That's from the book of Isaiah. And so the reality is, whatever good things we think we do, do not hold up against the one who's never done anything wrong. And that's where the metric people use is incorrect. And so I think Ephesians 2 reminds us of that. As we've talked before, we were dead in our trespasses and decisions. Dead people don't make decisions. Dead people don't live life. They're dead. 
And so the reality is for those of us um, who, who are born as, as humans, we are born as sinners because our great-great-grandfather many times removed Adam's sin. And so literally in our DNA is to do things wrong, to either do things God told us not to do or to not do things he told us to do. So for instance, God tells us to obey our parents. There's not one of us that has completely perfectly obeyed our parents. Or God tells us to love our neighbor. And there's not one of us that have perfectly loved our neighbors. Whether it's the neighbor that lives next door or the more probably important neighbor, the one that lives in our home. It could be a brother, a sister, an uncle, an aunt, a husband, a wife, whatever it might be. So the reality is when we come to Ephesians 2, I think when we think of all these world religions and we think of all the things going on in our world and we think of all the teachings, whether it's from Confucius to Plato to Buddha, um, you know, and, and to the many nuns that are within America. And I, I would encourage you or worldwide, if you listen to this and you're a nun, I'm not talking to Catholic nuns. I'm talking to the N-O-N-E-S. Those that say, hey, look, I have no religion. I don't really care. Essentially, we would call you agnostics. Some might be atheists. And, and I would just say to those, you know, that say, well, there isn't a God. I don't believe in him, et cetera, et cetera. And the reality is, you know, I'm good enough. Hey, there's a lot of you that, that are good moral people. I, I don't doubt that. Maybe more of you, there might be more of you that are good and, and moral people than those of us that call ourselves Christians. That's very possible. But the reality is, at the end of the day, the truth of the Bible tells us that anything we do that might be considered good is not good enough because it has to be perfectly good all the time. And none of us can say that. Only one can say that, and that's God himself. And so the reality is he's the standard. And so Ephesians 2, <clears throat> Paul is reminding the church in Ephesus. You know, he's saying, hey, look, guys, here's the reality. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. That doesn't leave us very well. And, and, and if that's not bad enough, he says, look, you walked according to the course of the prince of the power of the air. Well, in case, you know, we may be reminded who that is, that's the devil. And so the reality is we were worshiping the devil. It, there's only, there's no middle of the road here. You know, we, and we deal with this a lot in our culture. You know, when, when it comes to the Super Bowl, there's no second place. I mean, there is, but nobody wants it. There's one winner. You win it or you don't. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year and the Philadelphia Eagles didn't. That's how it works. It's the same in Major League Baseball. It's the same in the NBA. It's the same in our high school sports. I mean, you know, you go down the list. Look, at the end of the day, so you made the playoffs, so what? Because whoever makes it, they want to win the championship. You know, college football is pretty big right now. And I'm a big Ohio State Buckeye fan. And at the end of the day, there's going to be one team at the end of the year in Division One that's going to be standing as a national champion. And every team that's out there wants that. It's great for those that are ranked. And so the, real, the reality here is we're either serving God or we're serving Satan. And so Paul reminds us that because our DNA is we are sinners and then we choose to sin, that we're serving the prince of the power of the air. And then he goes on and says, look, in verse 3 of Ephesians, he says, among whom we also once lived in the passions of our flesh. We did whatever we wanted, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. And so Paul reminds us, he says, look, you know, uh, we were on a bad road. Uh, we, we were on, you know, we were, we were deserving God's wrath. We were children of wrath. 
But then, at the end, he gives us these two words that change the whole picture. But God. So not only is God rich, but in this particular passage, he's rich in something. He's rich in mercy. He's rich in giving us not what we deserve. I was in Canada many years ago, and it's probably the best example I can think of of mercy. Uh, I was driving with my family. We had a red Volvo. I was uh, moving along at a pretty good clip. We were coming into Sarnia, Michigan, so we were north of <clears throat> Toronto, Detroit, and kind of coming up into uh, the middle part of Michigan from Canada. We'd come from Maine through New York, the Niagara Falls area. So anyway, we're going along to clip, and if you're not familiar, uh, we use miles per hour as speed limit here in the States. In Canada, they use kilometers. Both are on all of our dashboards and so I'm going along and all of a sudden I see this Mountie probably about an eighth of a yeah probably 16th and eighth of a mile in front of me and he's pointing at me and I keep seeing him pointing and then pointing you know at me and then at him to stop and so finally I realize oh this is at me so me and another car pull over and and he goes and takes care of the other car and then comes up to me and and, you know he says hey do you know how fast you were going and I said "I, I I don't he goes well do you know what the speed limit was Well, I was chatting with my wife, and our kids are pretty young at the time. This is probably 12, 13 years ago. And and he says, uh, well, uh, the speed limit is uh, 90 kilometers, which is roughly 45, might be 50 miles an hour, give or take a few. Um, And he goes, do you know how fast you were going? And I said, I do not. He goes, you were going 120, which is about 68, 70 miles an hour. And I'm like, oh, boy. (laughs) So he says, so he starts asking me some questions. What do you do for work? And it's kind of like, I uh, really wanted to be a plumber or something else at that point. <laughs> I work as a pastor. And he's like, well, you should know better. I'm like, yeah, I know. He goes, so you didn't see any of the, of the, of the speed limit signs where the speed was downgraded. Because the last one I remembered seeing was 115 or 120 kilometers. And uh, I said, no, I guess I missed it. And he goes, oh, you missed all 15 of them. <laughs> and I'm like, like, what do you say, right? I'm guilty. I mean, I know I'm guilty. I wasn't purposely trying to do it, but I was. So he goes back to his car, comes back, runs all my stuff, and then comes back and says to me, look, I should give you a really big ticket, but I'm not going to. Um, keep it at 90 kilometers. Friends, that's mercy. I deserved a ticket. I will say so to this day. I should have gotten one. I didn't mean to do it, but I broke the law. And so the reality is whether we purposely break the law or, you know, we're still guilty. And the Bible says here, Paul tells us, look, we purposely broke God's law. We were children of wrath, but God being rich in mercy, not only showing us mercy, but rich in mercy. He's compassionate. You know, the Jewish nation in the Old Testament when they would think of God, they, they had this term the Hebrews would call God was long of nose. And, and to those of us that are Americans, you might immediately think, oh, they, God's Pinocchio? What, he's a liar? Because if you remember Pinocchio, you know, every time he lied, his nose would grow. No, it's not the same. We're a Western culture, they're an Eastern culture, completely different. So what, what they would think when God was long of nose is when you get angry, you, you furrow your brow. You know, a lot of people, you almost... You, you seethe, you, you, you grit your teeth, and, and you can just see that. And so, and so the Jewish nation, because of that, they, 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 they would describe God as, as having a long nose. In other words, his, his fire would burn very short. 
Um, in other words, or I'm sorry, very long. So instead of like a short temper, which is what we would say, they have a short fuse. God has a long fuse. In other words, yes, he's angry and his fire burns against sin, but he's compassionate. And that's what Paul addresses here when he says, but God being rich in mercy. Well, why is he rich in mercy? Because of his great love with which he loved us. So if you're still tracking with us here, there is no other religion out there. There is nothing by where people can become saved or saved from their religion or made right with whatever their God is by not doing anything. I don't know of any other religion where that's the case. Every other religion or faith out there is you have to do something. You have to go to Mecca. You have to say this prayer. You have to be good enough. You have to do this. You have to do that. You have to do the other thing. You know, I mean, I've never found one. In Christianity, you can't do anything. The reality is you cannot pay a debt that is so weighty because ultimately God will only accept a perfect payment. And you and I cannot do that because the perfect standard is perfection. And we already messed up. And so the point here is the beautiful gospel in that the Bible tells us that God loved us and was rich in mercy and he solved our problem. And every other religion and faith, their God or their faith doesn't solve their problem. The person, the, you know, the, the pilgrim, if you will, has to solve the problem. In Christianity, we can't solve our problem. I can't solve yours. You can't solve mine. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And that's the point of but God. And so I want to encourage you. I'm praying that, 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 that as you go about your day, that if you're a Christian, that this encourages you, that you did not, could not, would not, will not, and cannot save yourself. But Jesus did die, was buried, gloriously rose again, lived on the earth for 40 days, appeared to over 500 people, and ascended to heaven and is sitting at the Father's right hand, showing his work is complete, ready to come back at any moment. Hallelujah. And so I pray that encourages you today. And, you know, if you're not a Christian, you listen to this and say, oh, this is a bunch of malarkey. I get, you know, I I don't believe any of this stuff, yada, yada, yada. Hey, you're entitled to your opinion, Um, you know, and, and you can keep going. You don't have to keep listening. But if you are listening and if maybe God's tugging your heart a little bit or you want to talk about these things, please reach out to me because that's what my job is here on the earth. God left me here to share the good news of the gospel, that God is rich in mercy because he loved us. And although we couldn't solve our sin problem, what we could not do, Jesus Christ did. And salvation is offered to us full and free in Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You and I don't deserve it. We simply trust. We surrender by trusting in Christ alone. And Paul will finish this up in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, where just in case we think there's something we could do, he says this, for by grace are you saved through faith. And it's interesting. So we're we're saved by grace, getting something we can't earn, and God's mercy, not getting what we deserve. And then he gives us three qualifiers to remind us, look, you can't do anything for this. For by grace we saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. That's the first one. It is a gift of God, not of works. That's the second one. So it's a gift, 
you can't do anything to work for it, lest any man should boast. In other words, God's saying, look, even if you try to go out there and brag about this, guess what? You didn't do anything for it. I did it. You did it. And so I pray that if you've not received that gift, that you will put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who alone is hope and salvation. So friends, for now, we'll close the chapter on this series to come back at a later point. But God, being rich in mercy with his great love with which he loved us. And if you're a Christian, your salvation is secure, not because of you, but because of your Savior. Rest in that today. God bless you and have a great day. For Northeast by Midwest, I am Jonathan Jones. Blessings.